Hey, Brock, how are you? Doing well, John. How are you? I'm pretty good. I like watching you build your studio. It gives me inspiration for when I eventually get mine put together. Yeah, man, it's, it's been fun. It's uh, almost ready for prime time. I'm actually in there right now. If there's a slight echo, that's that's what that is. But, yeah, it's been pretty cool. I'm, I'm trying to go uh, the Craigslist route for most of the stuff because I don't really, really know what I need yet. But I should be doing a video about it pretty soon. So the idea is that the whole space is kind of, you know, looks set up enough and looks good enough that I can actually use it in videos and not try to hide it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that rug you picked up. You said it was Ralph Lauren. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, sixty bucks, man, from Craigslist. And it's it's really, I I just needed something. I didn't shop too hard for that. I needed something really big, so because I I wasn't sure if this place would even be, if I could even treat the sound enough to to get the echo down. So I just wanted to get a big rug in here just to see, and it does look like it's gonna be fine once I get a, a few more things. So, yeah, man, Ralph Lauren rug. Got an Ethan Allen lamp. Crate and barrel sofa. I think that I haven't spent $300 yet, so not bad. You know, I get comments sometimes, and I'm totally open to it, but I think that Raphael does this from Gentleman's Gazette is to understand and know old, traditional, classic, like menswear brands, and then you go and you search eBay or you search thrift shops. I've always been really curious to do that. I just don't have the like time or, or discipline to really go and do it, but I've always been curious to like try and pick up some. I guess, classic pieces from well-known designers that you would have paid thousands of dollars for. So I like that you're doing it for the studio, but there's also the side of it in menswear. Totally. There's, there's a guy named uh, Ethan Wong. Do, do you know him? No. He, he used to have an um, uh, Instagram uh, handle, the teenage, I think it was called The Teenage Gentleman. Now he just goes by his name, but he's, he's like an expert at uh, thrifting and, and buying suits on eBay. And he's really into like uh, traditional like like 30s and 40s um, menswear, and so he's he just pick he finds these these suits on eBay that are just amazing. And I think I think he hunts. You know, he spends a long time um, finding them. But but it's pretty cool, and there is something very alluring about that. If, but I, I haven't really dove into that world either yet. Yeah, we're too busy buying our new stuff all the time. But I tried that yeah. once. I bought a jacket at a thrift shop nearby and then I took it to a tailor and they were like no way this isn't gonna work that was that was my first time where I was like oh okay I guess there is some more to know about all this stuff hmm. yeah well I, I think I mean watches too or can be you can get some great finds I, I've been looking at um or watching videos at least trying to figure out a little more about buying vintage Hamiltons so I've heard those are really really good like sub $500 vintage finds Oh, yeah. I've always loved some of the old Hamiltons. Actually, my great-grandfather uh, passed down a Hamilton into our family. My uncle has it. I keep wanting to get it for a video because it would be pretty sweet. It's actually – it's like a square. It's from 1942, and it's this like square gold, yellow gold Hamilton with a black leather brace, bracelet. And uh, maybe I should get that off of him so I could just do a quick video on it. You're looking for like uh, field watches I know you've mentioned in the past? Yeah, I, I I want one of those Hamilton uh, hand wind field watches. I think those are pretty cool. Which you know, you I mean, you can get them new. They're not they're not that expensive, but I think it'd be cool to get get an older one. So what else are you looking for on Craigslist for the studio? Are you pretty much done with the uh, the bigger stuff? 
Yeah, I'm pretty much done with the big stuff. I I, I want to. I, I have some art coming, some framed artwork coming. Um, from this company called Framebridge, which it's, it's actually pretty cool. It's like uh, I'm I'm doing a video with them um, when, once the stuff arrives, but it's just like an online framing service. So you, you either send in your your art or you upload digital files, and then you can like totally customize your frame. So it's kind of like a lot of these like modern furniture companies where it's like made to order. Um, so I have some of that coming and then I'm trying to figure out what to do with the walls, like how to treat them. So it's a little better for audio, but it also looks nice. So I don't know. Have you, have you done anything with, with your space or is it just naturally pretty dampened? No, it's naturally pretty dampened, but I was wondering if your, your music creation studio background was going to help you in that. Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely, I know how it could be done but um not necessarily in a way that like i don't know that looks really good and then also doesn't you know damage the walls too much so because you know you could you could buy a bunch of bass traps and like oralex foam and diffusers and like all this stuff and and you know, like really treat the room but um yeah i don't know i was, I was looking at kind of alternative methods so still a little bit to be done but um but it's pretty cool, man. I mean, I, I mean, I guess you have a dedicated space, but you, so you know. But it's pretty cool having a, a space to go to, and uh, it's just kind of ready to ready to go, ready to work. I don't really have a dedicated space yet, but I'm itching to get it done. So, I'll be putting, I'll be going on Craigslist too in a few months. Do you find that there's a ton of stuff in your area? I mean, you're, I mean, you're in a pretty big city. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. The the, the cool thing is, it's it's like when you when you go to thrift stores around here, it's there's a lot of like retirement age people and uh, and then wealthy college students because a lot of people come from uh, California uh, to go to school here. So you, you can find some great stuff on Craigslist around here. Well, I was thinking just this week as I've been checking the time more often than usual that I might start diving just so that I could take advantage of having a professional dive watch. Yeah, I saw your uh, your Instagram I think it was your latest post about checking the time regularly, which uh, I was very jealous. Sometimes I just forget that I was checking the time, and I just start staring at my watch. I'm just – I'm enamored with it. How, how Has it uh, – have you even had to reset it yet, or has it not hit, hit its uh, power reserve? Oh, no. my this, this chronometer is good. It's got like a 12-second-per-year thing. I, I haven't – I literally haven't – taking it off of my wrist since I got it. I like, I left the store with the metal bracelet. I wear it to bed. I check it whenever it's dark. I, I've been swimming with it all weekend. It's just, man, you gotta get that. You gotta get your Hamilton just so you can feel as in love with an inanimate object as I do right now. Yeah, man. I want that feeling. What, what, what is the reserve on that? Like 40 hours or something? Yeah, I think it's forty-eight or forty-two hours. I know it's it's pretty long. Okay. Nice. I've even been using the uh, like the dial on the outside to like set timers with my son. My son keeps. I showed him one time when you put your ear up to it, you can hear the ticking. It's very light, and so like when we're going to bed and I'm reading the story, he like he keeps wanting to put his ear to like listen to it. So I'm already trying to get him to appreciate uh, timepieces and, and watches. He wears a little a little watch now that is like cute, but he's been really into like checking my watch, listening to it. And it's just, it's been neat. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's funny. The, uh, the, the rotating bezel 
like using that as a timer, it is very practical. You know, if, if, if you get in the habit of using it, it makes a lot of sense to have a, a little analog timer right on your wrist. Yeah. Plus I've got the helium release valve just, you know, for when I do need to release it so I don't blow up my watch. And so the, I, I was playing around with it today. The, the band actually has uh, an additional release to extend it so that you can just wear it with your dive suit. So it has, it pops out to like have an additional four inch give within the metal clasp. And so today I was like, Hmm, hmm. how do I get licensed for scuba and how long does that take? And how can I go to 250 meters and really test this thing out? Oh man, that'd be awesome. Have you ever done like scuba or, or anything like that? I haven't. No, just snorkeling. But I've uh, I've never done scuba. I'd like to. Yeah, we snorkeled on our honeymoon, and it was we did it in Aruba. There's like a shipwreck, and it was pretty cool. But because I was always on the swim team, I have a pretty good lung capacity. So even snorkeling, I'd go down. I'd dive down like pretty deep, but I've always been been more interested to do some uh, some actual scuba. I have some some friends that are instructors, and it wouldn't be too hard to to get in a pool and do it. So so you would just uh, so the band has like, is like a slide mechanism, so you just like slide it out and then put it around your wetsuit. Yeah, well, it like it like pop it inside of the clasp. There's like an additional release, and it pops out and allows it, and so like it's easy to just pop it in and out put it over top of your dive suit, put it back on. Nice. Yeah, it is good stuff. You uh, working on anything else this week? I'm trying to get uh, back in my groove to post every weekday, but uh, this week I'll be on the road again. I'll post every day next week, and then I'm away for two weeks. And so I, there is one video I'm going to put up. When this goes up, I'm going to talk about uh, – it's a chart that shows – on a pair of jeans, the way that the money gets distributed from when somebody buys something online versus on retail. And I think it gives a very good uh, look into how and why so many malls are closing down. So the, the margins on the pants obviously are, are like 10% higher or there's, there's better margins on product that's sold online. But what it shows is how instead of like you know, let's say you have a hundred fifty dollar pair of jeans. Instead of twenty of those dollars going into um, employee salaries and mall leases or like physical space, it goes into shipping and logistics, uh, credit card fraud. It goes into different parts of the of the chain within releasing these products. But it's showing how there's money being siphoned away from some of these malls that aren't as big and luxurious. And so you'll see a lot of the malls that don't have Apple stores and Tesla stores and Omega boutiques and higher end, you know, these higher tier malls, they're doing fine. They have big name companies, they have long leases, but it's these kind of middle America, mid-size malls that don't have those big names to really anchor them. Those are the ones that are struggling and, and shutting down. Hmm. Where'd you find that? Was that like an article you read or something? Yeah, it was, it was a Wall Street Journal piece that said – it wasn't specifically about that, but when I was reading it, the chart stuck out to me as like it's the perfect thing that I've been talking about with you know stores shutting down and, and blah blah blah. It was it's called Beyond Bankruptcy, and it's talking about how some stores like Wet Seal will shut down all their stores, but then they'll come back online as an e-commerce company. And so there, th that is definitely something that's happening. But this chart to me was just like boom, spot on. So that was from the Wall Street Journal. 
Nice. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I, I think because uh, I think everybody knows that you know there's movement happening and there's this phenomenon of offline to online, but it would be interesting to see some more some actual numbers. You know. Yeah. So I can give as much perspective as as I can try. I mean, I would like to give a little bit more in depth time to these videos if I were to uh, have more time to write and edit and everything with these. But I think even just the commentary is interesting to people because it is something that's happening and it's affecting all of us. I mean, some of the stores you might have used to go to aren't really going to be there anymore. Or, uh, you know, some of the people your your family shops at, those stores are shutting down. Yeah, it's interesting too because you hear with, with all these online first companies that like basically new companies that they, they always – you hear the same thing over and over. It's like we cut out the middleman, we pass the savings on to you, blah, blah, blah. But what you're saying is, well, there are also other costs associated with running an online business that might be higher that uh, you might not have when you, you know, run whatever, a typical brick and mortar shop, like, um, you know, more logistics or more fraud or just whatever. So, um, you know, better margins doesn't necessarily mean uh, better value for the customer, although I guess in a lot of cases it probably does. Yeah, and what are the brands going to do whenever they can't say they cut out the middleman because all the middlemen are gone? Yeah, exactly. It's just like the new standard. Yep. So I had sent – we've talked about doing a listener survey. I put together a listener survey, and we're going to post it along with this podcast. So either in the show notes in here or um, we'll put a, a link – We'll tweet it or something. So if you're listening to this, we want to hear from you what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, if you want it to be longer, shorter, uh, more frequent, less frequent. And so uh, I'm going to make make sure Brock has time to go in and edit some of the questions too because I was uh, I was just putting some things together. And so if you're listening to this, we want to hear from you. We got uh, a comment box. You can leave an open comment. We have some questions too around there. And uh, just want to hear what you guys like. Yeah, that'll be that'll be good feedback. So uh, definitely, if anybody if anybody listens and they have a few minutes, that would be really really helpful. Yep. And then now we're going to throw it over to Travis White. We had a cool discussion with him. He worked on his own uh, pages, blogs, and everything, and then also works with uh, Antonio over at Real Men Real Style. So we'll throw it over to Travis. Travis White, uh, tell us, you know, where you're from what you were doing before you got into the menswear Instagram and blogging world and, you know, why you decided to, uh, I guess, strike out on your own um, or at least, you know, take a, a non-traditional direction in terms of your career. Yeah. Uh, so I'm from Houston and I, I was born in Sugarland, which is about 30 minutes, 25 minutes Southwest of downtown Houston. I, went to school at the University of Houston and I got my first job out of college in Houston. So I've kind of been, you know, stuck in Houston for my whole, my whole life. And I went to work for an oil and gas company like everybody in Houston does and was making really good money. But uh, I mean, I was just completely miserable. I was um, dreading going to work every day. I didn't enjoy waking up. And while all of this was going on, um, I sort of had this, this other side hustle, and this was pre-blogging. Um, I was I was real into um, just fashion modeling, and in, in a sense, like I, I had a I was with a local modeling agency, um, 
and I had them like send me to New York and try to meet with other agencies. Um, so, you know, I was really gung ho about that. And then I got to New York and I met with the agencies and I, and I saw the industry firsthand and I was like, this is not for me. So I just decided to turn around and come back to Houston. Um, and at the same time I had, um, I had met my now fiance. So I had multiple things pulling me back from New York back to Houston. Um, and so that was one major driver. Um, and, and so when I got back, I was like, you know, um, I didn't enjoy necessarily being the model, but I really did enjoy putting together the outfits, putting together the styles. Um, and so I was like, maybe I can, you know, jump into the style blogging world. And this was around 2015. So, um, uh, there was a lot, well, I won't say a lot, but there's quite a, the men's style blogging world was already established. There was, you know, you had your Antonio's and your Aaron Marino's and your, your Brock's, you know, and, um, you know, Baron effortless gent, like all of, all of these websites were, were already going. And I was like, you know, why not? Let me just jump into it. I started um, networking with people in the industry. Um, Antonio was one of the guys that I reached out to, to network with. And this was, um, maybe after I'd been doing it for about six months. Um, and my Instagram had taken off really fast actually when I started doing that. Um, so when I reached out to Antonio, I reached out to him sort of with a proposal of, you know, I can give you some Instagram tips. I noticed you have an amazing YouTube channel. I noticed you have an amazing website and I, but I see your, your Instagram is kind of, it's kind of lagging, you know, let me help you with that. Let me give you some advice. And he, uh, he ate it up. He like, he sent me everything they've been working on their strategies for Instagram and, um, I gave him feedback and then and that sort of led to him saying, would you like to a guest post for me? And so I did a guest post for him. And then that sort of led to him saying, would you like to come and write for me? And I said, well, I still have a full-time job, so I can't really write for you, write for my website and do my full-time job. But how about I just work, come work for you full-time? Like I'm trying to transition out of my nine to five anyways. Um, you know, and I was totally transparent and upfront with him from the beginning. I said, look, I'm, I would like to come work for you. Um, and I can help you grow your business while simultaneously learning the industry, learning how blogs make money, learning how the business is run. And, you know, eventually I would like to break out on my own and run my own business. Um, so that he was, you know, very open to me being honest about that. Um, and he, he appreciated it and he actually encouraged it. And he said, you know, that's awesome. I really, I think that, um, that's a great goal you have, you know, why don't you come interview for to be a content manager for me? And so I went through this rigorous audition period, rigorous interview, and he eventually hired me. And so now we're sort of, I'm sort of in the middle of all of that. That's kind of where, where I've been for the past, I guess, year. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I didn't know, I didn't know any of that. Um, obviously I, I know you have known you for a while. I think we met at StyleCon a couple of years ago and, uh, I know Antonio, he was, he was also one of the first guys I reached out to. And, um, like, like with you, he was very, uh, receptive and, you know, very helpful and, and, uh, kind of adopted him as a mentor for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. But I, I have a few questions about that story. So the, the first one is what about the modeling industry, um, turned you off? I think I just saw all the politics involved and it wasn't really, um, 
it, it was all about who you know, favors you did for people. And it was kind of a quid pro quo industry. And, you know, I think that reciprocation is good when it's when it comes from a place of not expecting something in return. But when it comes from a place of solely expecting things in return, I don't think um, that's how I want to do business with anyone. Um, so that sort of turned me off to it. I also was not fond of living in a studio apartment with seven other guys. And, you know, while I tried to make ends meet and land one big campaign that would, would, um, would allow me to move to a one bedroom apartment rather than a studio apartment. So, um, and then living in New York city, just the cost of living is insane. Um, and, but I, I, again, I mean, I totally respect the guys who do that, that, you know, more, more power to them. That is a hustle and a grind. And, um, I just decided that I could become successful on my own in other ways and that um, the modeling industry just wasn't really for me. Got it. And, and when you when you started your Instagram, I know you said you had pretty quick traction on that platform. Um, and I, whenever I talk to somebody with, with a big Instagram following, which, which you do have, um, I always get different answers. Because, you know, in, for me, Instagram, kind of like Antonio was, it's kind of an afterthought, you know, like compared to, the, to my blog and YouTube channel. And I've gotten so many different pieces of advice about that. Like some people say post more. Some people say, uh, you know, have a, have a certain look. And other people say, you know, you just got to engage more with likes and comments. So for you, what have you found that actually works for, for someone trying to grow an Instagram account these days? Well, I can talk about it from 2015, but I got to be honest now on Instagram, it's next to impossible for growth be, unless you're like a celebrity or um, you are, I guess, you know, like a half naked girl posting pictures, but it's just impossible um, it, it, with these new algorithm changes and with, um, you know, engagement seems to be going down across the board for a lot of people. And, but, you know, what I still find some things that do work are going over and legitimately reaching out to people um, manually. So for example, I, you know, we are in the men's style industry. So we find um, some brands that are very in tune with that industry. You go to their followers and you just start liking and engaging with their pictures. And you just say, hey, um, you know, great outfit or hey, really like this shot. Um, and as you, you know, it's a social media. So you have to be social proactively. So you have to go out to your target audience and proactively engage with them. And then when they see, you know, this new person who's on their page, they're like, oh, who is this guy? So then they'll go over to your page and they'll see the content that you provide and they'll say, hey, this is right up my alley. Let me give this guy a follow or a like at least in return. And I find that the more that I do that, um, the more growth that I've seen. I know a lot of people say like, oh, you got to use the right hashtags and you got to tag the right people in your pictures. And you, you know, that all of those strategies worked awesome. Like from when did Instagram start? 2008, 2009, somewhere around that time, like between 2000 and I guess we'll just say nine um, up to maybe 2015, late 2015, early 2016. All of those strategies were awesome. Um, and then it seemed like a flood of saturation started happening. Instagram's changing their algorithms to be more um, interest-based rather than chronological-based. And it just, you had to start coming up with new strategies. You had to really put more effort into your content because the new, 
the best content now is the content that's going to get engagement and it has to be the highest quality because Instagram sort of ranks um, your pictures off of how quickly you get engagement, how, how many people actually take time to comment and not just like it, how many people are engaging on it immediately versus waiting a couple hours and your content really has to be like top quality at this day and age for you to really stand out. It's kind of like YouTube. Um, you have to bust your butt and make awesome content. And especially in this day and age with the saturation that there is on YouTube for you to start, you know, subscribers starting to see, Oh, this, I would like to follow this guy. He's, he's got awesome content and sort of the same idea now with Instagram too. Do you think the algorithm so far has cut out some of the, crap that used to happen on instagram because i've seen i've seen oh, yeah. things uh, from what you're describing oh yeah i 100 percent agree that this new algorithm has cut out so many of the people who just used to and this was a huge pet peeve of mine was i would i would put a lot of hard work and effort and creative direction and work with photographers and come up with you know an awesome outfit a great concept and i'd post a photo and then another curation page would just steal it and they wouldn't give any credit. They would just post it on their page. And these curation pages would just, you know, do this with every single blogger on who's creating content. And then once they built up a following, they would just start charging for ads. So they would just, they would just leverage everyone else who's doing the work, steal the images, post it on their pages. And now they're charging for ads because they built up a following. I'm starting to see like all of those pages have sort of started to die out a little bit. Um, they've sort of, uh, I mean, they're still going, but I, I noticed that they are getting like way less engagement. Um, they're doing way less. The, the posts that are sponsored are just, you know, not really performing at all. And, 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 you know, it, it, it's tough being in this situation because a lot of, you know, a lot of posts, like I, I've probably had um, the same engagement, since maybe like half of the following I have now to following like the engagement is really it it's it's tough because you really have to perform for people to come and, and look at one post and and when one post sort of goes viral so to speak um then you you have to build on that momentum and you have to have another post of the same quality it's like you're only as good as your last at bat and that's kind of how the social media game is working you have to keep building off of quality posts. And if you strike out on one and it gets horrible engagement, then it just, the next post after that's going to tank and you got to start over again and just keep building and building and building on top of that. Um, so it's, you really have to be consistent now with how good your, how good your qual uh, content is. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I have to say, even though there's all these platforms, the good old blogging and, and web articles really have an advantage in that you can, if, if you have something that ranks well for a, for an evergreen search term, one article can get you traffic for, I mean, literally 10 years or, or longer, you know? So it's, and I don't see that kind of on YouTube, but not even YouTube, you know, YouTube is a very, they, they reward fresh content and a lot of content, you know, the same way that Instagram does. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think, I think for people starting out, it's maybe just put some thought into which platform you really want to go after, because as, as you, as you know, with Instagram, it just takes so much effort to get something going. Yeah. Especially now, I, I think you made a great point about, I made one big mistake when I started my blog and it's something that I'm trying to sort of, sort of remedy now is I started Instagram first and then I started a website after that. 
um, if I were to give advice to anybody who's trying to start, get into the men's style industry is start with your website and have that be your home base and just have your social media platforms sort of, um, they're the gasoline that, that, that fuels your business into your home page of your website. Cause you own your website, you own your email list, you own, um, you know, however it is you communicate with your audience from your website, you own that versus, you know, as we see, you do, do not own your social media followers. You do not own your subscribers on YouTube, your Twitter followers. They could change an algorithm in an instant and all of a sudden uh, your business could start to tank. And so I just think starting with your website, like you said, uh, having one solid evergreen post that's keyword rich, but also provides answers to people's questions um, that could last 10, 15, 20 years and, and forever on. Right. So, so how are you spending your time these days? Because you're, so you're working full time for real men, real style. You still have mm -hmm. your site unkept gentlemen, and then you have your Instagram and some other, you know, hobbies or interests. So how, how are you spending your time and managing your time? I would say I spend probably 70% of my time working with Antonio, 30% um, working on my business and, or 20, probably 20% on my business, 25 and then five, the other 5% just on my side hobbies and whatever else I've been doing. But um, I've, I've been cutting back on like, we're so, I can't talk too much about this because Antonio would, um, he hasn't, he hasn't gone live with this yet, but we're sort of in the works of creating a new, uh, a new project and he, he's looking to transition me to a new position that will allow me to have more time um, to focus into building my business. And that's just one thing why he's such a great guy because like he invests in people and he, he and, and obviously he knows that I'm going to work hard for him. Um, but at the same time, like he knows that I have goals and he wants to respect that. So he's, he was literally proactive about saying he came to me and I, I like, you know, I didn't go to him, but he was like, Hey, I'm working on this new position. Um, I think it'd be great fit for you. And it would actually give you more time to focus on your business. I'm in the exact same industry as him. And so me getting more time to work on my business is essentially competing with him. You know, the more my business grows, you know, but he doesn't see it like that. He doesn't see it as a giant competition. He sees it as, you know, the more successful menswear bloggers are just the bigger, the bigger the whole market grows as a whole. And, and that will in turn, um, affect me positively because the, the market's getting bigger. So he sort of has that abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset for it. But, um, I think I've just went off on a tangent there. I don't, I can't remember what the question was. No, I, I, I totally agree, man. I've heard Antonio talk about the, I think, I think it's the blue ocean strategy. I think that's a book or something, or I don't know, some, some concept out of IBM or I don't know something, but I've heard him talk about it. And I think it's so true. It's like the idea that, and actually I've talked to you about this with, with, uh, you know, Instagram accounts and, and how a lot of people on Instagram kind of feel, you know, they, they hold their cards close to the chest and they kind of are very close lipped about what their strategies and they, they kind of see other Instagrammers as competitors. And it's like, you know, if someone likes your photo on Instagram, that means they want more, you know, if someone watches my video, that mm -hmm. means they want to watch your video. So I, I don't think it's, you know, the more content, the better. So it's, it's, we're definitely not really competitors. I don't think in the traditional sense, I think we're, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of allies, you know, kind of rising tide mentality. So 
yeah, I think uh, Antonio was, was definitely one of the first people to embrace that, at least in our little niche. Yeah, and him and Aaron Marino talking about that story of of when he first reached out to Aaron. And Aaron was like, who the heck? He's like, I don't want to talk to you. And then he saw that he was actually being genuine. And he was like, okay, yeah, we can be friends. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so is there, uh, is there anything else that, uh, that you're working on these days that, that you want to tell us about or any, I don't know, upcoming I have, projects? Um, I have an app out that I've been meaning to um, – to market more, but you know, it's just, it's a time a timing thing right now. Um, but I really think it's a great idea and it's a cool app, but it really just allows creatives in your area to meet up. It's called co-creation and it's on the app store. It's live. It's free. It doesn't cost a thing. Um, but you go in and you can set a profile of like, if you're a photographer, if you're a blogger, if you're, um, um, a stylist, if you're a videographer, and, and you could search by location and you could see sort of people's portfolio. You can see if they've worked with anyone, there's a way to review. You know, I think it, when I started creating this app, I was scratching my own itch. I, I was new to, um, to Austin. I actually moved to Austin from Houston. My fiance got a job out here. So um, we moved out here and I didn't know anybody and I wanted to keep my blog content going. I wanted to keep shooting and I was, you know, scouring, all these creative websites trying to find a photographer in Austin that was interested in men's fashion that was willing to shoot. That was a great photographer. And I was like, I wish there was just an app that I could go to that. I could just search Austin, Texas, search photographer, search, um, look at their portfolio and then message them and just say, Hey, would you like to shoot? And there, there was, I couldn't really find anything. I think I found one app and it was, it was okay. It was sort of the swipe file. Like you could like sort of like that Tinder user experience, the UX where you swipe right and left. Um, it was kind of like that. Um, so I, I reached out to one of my developer buddies and he, he thought it was a good idea and we actually created it. So that's sort of a, uh, another project that I have that I've been working on as well. That's awesome. That, that sounds like something I would absolutely use because it's, it's hard to find people for, I mean, it's hard to find good people in general, you know, like even with like Upwork or Elance or something, but um, but also to find local people because, you know, some stuff is just, you just have to be, you have to connect in person, you know, like photographers and stuff. So I feel like there are yeah, so exactly. many people. Yeah. And, and there's so many people like who they would be down to work on something that's mutually beneficial, especially if they're like trying to get their portfolio together or something, you know, and uh, that's, that's very cool, man. And so is any, do you have users or did you just launch or how, how's it going? We're still pretty new. Um, we're, we're still like, I guess you could say beta and beta, but it is on the app store. And so, um, you know, I would definitely love beta testers to provide feedback on how we could improve it and make it better. Um, so we're still testing the concept and just making sure that it's something that people actually want. If it is, are we solving the problem correctly? I think that's the biggest question that we're sort of dealing with was, are we efficiently solving the problem or, or is this just a theory and it, and we're still seeing if it's working or not? Got it. Yeah. Cool. So where, where can people uh, find that? Is that just on the app store? Do you have like a, a landing page or something? Co-creation, C-O-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N.io is a landing page and it'll just lead you to the link to the app store where you can download the app. Yep. That's, that's really it. Nice. And then, and of course you're not, not too recently, but you're engaged and, and so you'll be a, a married man soon. Do you guys have a date? Yeah. March, 2018. So we're getting a spring wedding next year. Awesome. Awesome. Very exciting. Well, yeah. th thanks for uh, being on the show, man. It's, it's 
it's uh, been a really good conversation. You're up to some cool stuff, and we'll link to all of your uh, your sites and projects in the show notes. And of course, we'll let you know when uh, when this one's live. Perfect. Thank you guys so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man. And we will see you next week.